0: all right guys welcome welcome to episode number one we are live this is the go figure podcast show live streaming to you most tuesdays and thursdays from 12 o'clock noon to 1 p.m mountain standard time here we got my partner tight Talbot. how's it going doing great all right we got our man john managing the computers jillian managing the cameras and everything is cleaned up and ready to go here's today's trending topics, and again, just to let you know, if you're a dad and you're looking to get your money right, create a great life for your family, and you know, talk about real things when it comes to money and mindset, and then fun things like sports and and how all these uh, things going on in the news and politics affect us. And most importantly, how are you going to raise your kids the right way so that they make great decisions and go towards success? If all of those things matter to you, then this is the show for you, and it's going to be most Tuesdays and Thursdays from noon to 1 p.m. Here's what's on the docket for today. Number one, U.S. families' savings is shrinking big time. I mean, people's savings accounts are being blown up right now by inflation. We're going to talk about the top contenders, or is it pretenders, Ty? We're going to talk about the concerns for the Jets, Giants, Vikings, and Ravens in the NFL. We're going to talk about Elon Musk's hardcore work ultimatum and what people are saying about that, what Twitter employees are doing. Is Twitter even going to exist in the future? And we're going to talk about why Sam Bankman Fried, you've been hearing about this FTX story about the CEO, the dude with the curly hair, who's kind of a little wild guy. And, uh, you know, I think he had uh, 15 or 20 people in his company. They were all having sex together and working together in the Bahamas. And they were stealing people's money, unfortunately. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why maybe he might get away with all this, which is insane. And then we're going to talk about leadership. Bob Iger is back taking over Disney. We all love Disney, right, John? You're a Disney guy. Ty and I love going to Disney World with the kids. So we're going to talk about what that means for Disney. And uh, Bob Iger, is gonna, he's a great leader. We're going to talk about that. And then families are stressed out and Americans are planning to buy fewer Christmas gifts And donate less to charity here at the end of 2022, not the way it was last year. And then finally, we're going to talk about the real meaning of financial freedom. And we always end every one of these shows with a take action item. And we've got an awesome take action item that's going to help you and your family in terms of getting your money right. And really, a lot of it is kind of intentional in terms of what you want to define and what you want in your life. So we're gonna talk about that at the end. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who wanna get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. So that, my friends, is on today's docket. Let's go ahead and get started, if we can, with topic number one. This is our money topic. Money, money, money. I'm not a singer. John, you're the singer. You should be singing this. All right, so our first topic is U.S. family savings shrink big time. This is a Wall Street Journal article, and I love the Wall Street Journal because I feel like it's one of the few you know, um, media companies out there that tries to tell the truth, tries to get both sides. It's not too far left, too far right. It tries to be right in the middle. So here's what it says. It says this, let's jump into it. All right. The top says it is the $1.7 trillion question for the U S economy. How long can the savings consumers built up during the pandemic keep their spending going? The answer is about nine to 12 more months. So basically, here's what it's saying here. About a third of savings has been slashed so far in 2022. That's kind of crazy. Ty, what what's behind this? Why are people starting to drain their savings accounts in 2022? What are you seeing out there? I mean, you and I talk with, you know, hundreds of business owners every single month who are trying to build something, trying to take care of their families. What's going on? Why are people having to go through there and burn their savings?
1: You know, it's kind of like we, we talked about on the last podcast, I think it just comes down to people are not adjusting their spending to the inflation, they're not adjusting their spending to the loss of business. I, I have yeah. a lot of friends that are in the mortgage industry, and they were loan officers, oh, and they absolutely just crushed it over the past few years. And they're still spending like they have been over the past few years, which obviously is not going to work right now. And so... Yeah. Yes, you are having to dive into savings because you're spending more than you're bringing in, and that's the problem. Yep, no question. We talked about it. All
0: right, I'm making fifty thousand dollars a year. All of a sudden, I increase my income to seventy five or a hundred thousand, and then what do I do with my budget? oh, well, I was getting by on 45000 a year, but now it's taking me 105000 of my 100000 And so that's what happens. We increase our lifestyle. We increase our budget instead of having that savings. And it's not just save to save. It's save to invest, right? Save to create cash flow. Like, that's that's the real freedom. Hopefully, you can learn these things way before I did. I'm now 42 and really working hard to put cash flow, properties, and businesses together to take care of our family. But, like, we're going to talk about financial freedom um, and what it takes to achieve that later on in this episode. But basically, savings accounts are being slashed. And so all the savings that America has, which was up to like $2.3 trillion, now I think it's down to $1.5, $1.6. So a third of it gone just like that. And they're saying in the next 9 to 12 months, at, these, at the pace we're on, most of American savings will be completely
1: depleted. What's that going to do to the economy and, and to people's... You know, families. You know what's interesting, Leo. When I first read this, the the thought that came to my head is all the the media, the news that I see is that nobody in America has a savings account. So, yeah. truth be told, I was shocked to see that there's it, even that much yeah. money. Hey, in people, savings. people do have savings. This is good news. Yeah, and I, I almost feel like this was designed to to put fear into us. But as a thirty year old, thirty five year old, forty year old, what? Let me ask you this: What is the point of a savings account? What's a a good used point? it used for?
0: A great point. It's literally just to feel good in case something bad happens. But at the end of the day, the problem with savings is savings accounts don't make you any money. Generally, they pay like 1% of 1%. And so really, it's what are you doing with that money? And, and what are you investing it in to get a return? So what are the things people should be doing with savings?
1: Yeah, you know, th- that's <laughs> kind of what I was saying that was my my big point of this is they make it seem like this big scary thing all 9 to 12 months but you know what that's the point of the savings account and that's why people have the savings account I'm glad that they have it to get them through these hard times but the key is how do we get that money to start working for us because a savings account is not going to do that right but there's a lot of things that if you just look at the history of recessions and downturns there's a lot of different things you can do with that money during that time to get it working for you and again adjusting that spending until things do start to recover. I think that's the biggest key there. No question. No question. So, hey, yes, you want to have money in savings. Yes, you want to
0: be ready in case, you know, of job loss or business income adjustment, or, oh my goodness, if you were in the mortgage or real estate sector, real estate agent or loan officer, like we're we're talking to people who have lost 90% of their income, Because rates have gone from 2.8 to like 7.8 in just 2022. And so people are not refinancing anymore. They're not buying houses. And so if you're in the real estate sector, like this is really negatively impacting you and you've got to pivot and change. And so at the end of the day, we have to, one of our values and principles on the wall is control what you can control. And the story I always love to share with this, and I don't always love everything about LeBron James, but I loved this lesson that he taught. If you remember when the Miami Heat and LeBron and D-Wade, those guys, uh, Bosch, were in the finals, and they lost to the Dallas Mavericks and Dirk, and they were talking crap about Dirk's cough or whatever, and he came back and beat him. And LeBron got so much crap after losing because they brought the three biggest stars, and they didn't win it and he cared about what everybody think and he was all worried about all these things he couldn't control and he forgot about what was most important that next year when he came back and won it you know and albeit with a very stacked team and and so forth but he won that championship and he was a different guy and somebody got to him some mentor some you know, I don't know if it was a therapist. and I'm like, dude, stop worrying about all the stuff you can't control and really focus on what you can. And then we'll let the chips, you know, fall where they may and we can live with those results. And I heard him say that over and over again. I'm like, something changed and somebody got to him. And, and that's what we need to do during these crazy times um, but families are struggling to pay the bills they are using their credit cards more they are draining savings accounts that's the thing about uh, the pandemic like hey this was a good thing for a lot of families they got extra money they paid off credit card debt for a time their credit card balances were as low as they'd ever been and now they're really starting to accelerate as people are struggling to pay bills and not adjusting to lower income we're seeing a lot of tech companies
1: lay people off too so yeah yeah, yeah I, need, I one hack that I like to use with that leo because you know, I'm not a big fan of racking up the credit card debt, but when things are a little tight, a little scary, you've got bills that have to be paid, right? It, it, it's got to happen. Um, figure out what you can and can't use a credit card for. Figure out what has to be paid via cash, right? If you know that you have to pay your mortgage, yeah, you probably need to have cash for that, but don't panic and just go pay your credit card off in full. Understand that as long as you're making that monthly payment, you can keep that card in good standing Get disciplined with your finances. Go make more money and then take care of that credit that credit card payment. But get yourself in a good, strong financial position. You don't need to panic and pay everything off. So, and let's talk about this.
0: Like the time, if, if you're a dad, if you're a parent and you're trying to make sure you're taking care of your family, you're a small business owner, you got to take care of your business family. The key to success in life and business is having access to money and capital before you need it. Because what happens is if you get in a bind and you don't have access to enough credit, all of a sudden you max out what you do have. You don't qualify for more. And now you're in a bind and you're in a real precarious situation. But if you're in a situation where you've got... The, the business credit cards, the business line of credit for your business, when times get crazy like this, you know you've got a long runway to figure things out, to generate a return. You're not going to run out of capital. It's the same for your family, right? You need to have access to the credit cards, the home equity line of credit now. You should have gotten it last year, and if you haven't, you need to really... Uh, go after that and make sure you have access to it. And then you have to be disciplined. You use it for things that make you money. But yeah, if you have that medical emergency, you have no choice. You have to be able to take care of your family. You have to be able to take care of your medical needs. If the uh, furnace breaks down, and I remember this happened to me like uh, 12 years ago during a really tough time financially for my family and I, it was the middle of winter and the furnace did break down and we didn't have six, $7,000 of credit or cash to take care of that. And that's the, the lesson Get access to credit before you need it so that you always can take care of things and not be in that terrible position of being just
1: stuck. Absolutely. I agree with that. And, and just to add to it, be disciplined with your credit and find a way to manage it. Um, know what your payments are. Know what your rates are. Know what your cash back is. Take 20, 30 minutes once a week and just figure that out. And that that's the key, though, Ty. Like too many of us,
0: we get busy, we just go through the motions, we don't really know where we're at. If you're doing a meeting once a week with yourself, with your spouse or partner, you're going over all the bills, you're going over the credit, maybe, you know, that's why we built this app we did, the MyFigures.com app, so that people can manage all their play, their money in one place, their credit cards, their loans, their real estate, without having to log into 20 websites. But if you have that meeting with yourself or your spouse once a week, you know where you're at, you know, you know, you set goals, all right, this is debts we want to pay it off these are investments we want to make. We, this is our business. Here's where we're at here. And you're constantly, if you review those details and there's a great man, uh, Thomas S. Monson, who once said that if you get into all the little details of your life, you'll almost never fail if you're doing that regular meeting. But if you don't, you have no idea. And that's where failure comes. Well my friends, that was our money segment. Let's move into our sports topic and it is that time of year. it is that uh, special time of year where the NFL is running full speed. We're seeing games in Germany, in London, in Mexico last night. but most importantly, and this is uh, this is an awesome story that uh, ESPN uh, put together, NFL contenders or should we say pretenders exposed. Concerns for the Jets, Giants, Vikings, and Ravens. Let's start with the Jets. And I don't know why my 13-year-old son keeps saying this, but every time I'm watching a Jets game, he's like, oh, Zach Milfson is not playing very well. (laughs) Zach Milfson, like, we all know that little story maybe about that. Maybe you don't, but Zach apparently had something with his uh, mom's best friend, so I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, I do know the Jets struggled on Sunday. What did you see? What's going on with these Jets?
1: first of all, that was probably the most boring football game I've seen oh. in quite some time. Yeah. And I think Bill Belichick absolutely just owns every single mind, not only of the Jets, but the, the, the Jets players, but the Jets coaches, the Jets fans, fan base. They are just absolutely owned by Bill Belichick. And it was embarrassing because that was not the Jet football that we've been seeing all year. Um, that being said, Zach Wilson needs to grow the hell up. And get out of his own head. Getting called out. It is embarrassing. Like, they, they sit down with him, probably one of the worst quarterback performances we've seen in a long time, and he won't even own it. Oh, my word. And I hate this. I'm, I'm a BYU guy. He's a BYU quarterback. I root for this guy, but that was embarrassing. Take some accountability, Zach. Yeah, they literally interview him
0: after the game, and, and he's like, they're like, do, do you think you, there's anything you need to work on? And he pretty much is like, oh, no. Just the team loss, team loss. I'm like, no, bro, your your receivers were frustrated. Your defense allowed three points the whole game. The only way they won was the Pats got that. It was a kickoff return, right? Or yeah, punt return, punt return for touchdown. And so you lose three to ten. Your defense killed it, and you've got talent on offense. But yeah, it's everybody else's fault. Like that's again one of those values principles things, and sometimes. You know, if you grow up in a privileged household, which Zach did, in Draper, very nice community down the road here from us. And sometimes accountability isn't always one of those values. It's tough to teach that value to kids, even if you're not super wealthy. So how important is it, is it to teach accountability to your kids? And what are you going to be teaching Jack and your baby that's coming on the way? How are you going to teach accountability? Because it's tough in today's world. Like, how do you teach these kids that they have to be accountable, that if they make a mistake, it's on them, that we don't blame others. Like,
1: I think a big part of that is letting them fail and not rewarding yes. them when they fail. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you don't need to go scream at him and, and put fear in him because he lost, but you know, let them know, hey, you lost, you didn't do well, but here's what you need to do to fix it and go work on it, versus it's always someone else's fault is the attitude I'm getting from Zach, and I can't stand it. That's not
0: that's not what winners do. That's not what leaders do. Leaders are accountable. The one thing I've always admired about Andy Reid, uh, the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, and you can tell his players, man, they would run through a wall for that guy. Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to say the best player in the NFL right now, would run through a wall for Andy Reid. And every time an Andy Reid coach team loses, he comes out and he sets the example I didn't get the job done this week. I didn't have our team ready. I didn't put together the right game plan. And he falls on his sword like a true leader. And then guess what happens when Patrick Mahomes sees that? Oh, well, he goes up and follows. I didn't do this. I threw the interception that hurt us. I didn't make the right decisions on the field. I didn't have our team prepared. And it's just this whole example. And that's a sad thing. Robert Sala is that leader. Oh, yeah. He is accountable and he has changed that culture. And Zach better
1: get his, sh- his shit together or he's going to be out. Oh, yeah. He's not putting up with him anymore. So, did you see Pat Mahomes' face when the Chargers went down and scored with a minute and a half left, whatever that was? Dude,
0: I was looking. I could see it on his face, just this focus. His lips had like this weird look on him. He like, smiled.
1: I mean, this guy. It was wild. They score. Any other quarterback in the NFL is thinking, oh, boy. Here we go because that Chargers it. defense is pretty good, right? Yeah. And, oh yeah, and they put in that touchdown with or whatever they they take the lead with a minute and a half left, and it it's the the camera goes over to Pat Mahomes and he literally has a smirk like, I, I got, got this, <laughs> yeah, wow, dude, that guy, he's just on such another level.
0: And who who does he throw it to for the touchdown? Travis yeah. Kelce, yeah, best tight end in the league. How's he always open in crunch time? Because big players make big plays and big games and that's what these guys do. And it's funny my 10 year old who who's a quarterback and I coach this year, and he he just copies with Patrick Mahomes. He had several plays this year where he would like sprint out of the pocket, get out of a sack, and then throw a little side armor that would go right to his receiver down the field. and this guy is he's just he, he's just the perfect example of what it takes to lead new talent, the way a quarterback should play and and whatnot. All right, we got to talk about uh, the Giants and Vikings. Both teams, these are supposed to be uh, aren't these supposed to be the two of the top two of the three top teams in the NFC? You got the Eagles at number one, uh, Vikings two and Giants were right there with them. What happened to these two teams this week?
1: My opinion on these two teams, the Giants have never been good. <laughs> <laughs> they're better than so, they have so you're been. calling
0: the Giants frauds yeah they're straight they're, up the,
1: Saquon's great and that's about it no one's been taking them seriously and now they're an okay team they can get some of these bogus wins but it's crunch time in the NFL you're gonna see the Giants slip pretty aggressively I, I think they're a very 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 middle of the pack team Daniel Jones is a poor man's Ryan Tannehill and you're never gonna win a playoff game with that completely agree if these guys make it to the
0: playoffs they're a first round loss they're out now the vikings however like last week my uh jonas and kale my 10 year old 17 year old they were going crazy about the vikings and just really excited about them beating the buffalo bills and okay so you and i we went uh, to Cowboys stadium uh, week one we watched tom brady uh what an amazing stadium that is and we watched the cowboys and the Cowboys team we're seeing today, a different team.
1: 100%. Very, very, very impressive and honestly scary team because yeah. of that, that dual threat backfield they have. They've got strong receivers. They're getting enough out of Dak in the quarterback play because when you're trying so hard to stop the, the one-two punch of Pollard and, and Zeke, it makes it pretty dang easy to play quarterback and implement the play action. But the biggest thing with them is that defense is stout. Oh, man. What's number 11's name? Parson. He's... Parson.
0: That guy was killing them. Yeah, he's incredible. Killing them. That was the thing that I... Like, the Vikings' offensive line was exposed. It doesn't matter who the receiver, running back, and quarterback are. If you got a line that is getting beat by the four uh, down linemen there for the Cowboys and just being... I don't even think the... Did the Cowboys have to blitz? Did you see much blitzing?
1: They did not have to blitz a lot. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I know the Vikings did have a big injury on the O-line, but yeah. to tell you the truth, Leo, I, I still believe in the Vikings. I still think they're a good team. I mean, the receiving core they have, you forget they have one of the best running backs in the league. Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is a game manager. Their defense is strong. I think they got a little cocky coming out of that, that Bills game. Yeah. They needed that wake-up call, but that's going to be my one. I, I look at all the spreads before this game. That's going to be my one betting advice. Anybody out there that that does sports betting, you get Vikings minus two and a half over the, uh, the Patriots. Patriots are not a good team. Vikings are going to come back strong with a vengeance. They're pissed off. They're going to blow the pats out.
0: See, and that's a good point. There are some teams like the Giants that you see lose, and you're like, I knew they were frauds. I'm not surprised. They're not going places. But you see the Vikings, and there's depth there. They have been clutch. They've beat really good teams throughout this year, and it just reminds me of a couple things. Like, I was a big 49ers fan in the 90s, and I remember the 49ers the year that Steve Young, Jerry Rice, won a Super Bowl. They got killed. I want to say it was 40-7 against uh, the Randall Cunningham-led Philadelphia Eagles. Just killed them that day. But it made him stronger. They came back. They won the Super Bowl. They dominated in the playoffs. How many times did we see when Tom Brady was at the Patriots and the Patriots would get their butts beat by like the Chiefs or the Jets? Or, oh, the Patriots are done. And or the somehow, Dolphins? Dolphins year after yes, year. year. they go win the Super Bowl. And, and but at the end of the year, it's who gets hot and who's got the right leaders, values, and principles. So we think the Vikings are going to be okay. Uh, what about the Ravens? I've still been impressed overall with the way they played. Now they got it. They edged a, a win out of not a very good uh, opponent this week. Um, what
1: are your thoughts on the, on the Ravens? The Ravens are a good team. They're, they're a very, very solid team. Um, I don't know if, if Mark Andrews, I'm, I'm trying to remember if he ended up getting hurt or not, which that would be a massive sting, especially oh, yeah. where their running games already poor, but Harbaugh knows how to win games um they're going to be a very very good team down the road however you know they're going to have to get through cincinnati who's getting jamar chase back i believe he's going to be playing again this week that's a it's a better division than people realize that uh that afc north there but i i Always do tough. think the ravens will be a playoff team and as long as they don't draw the dolphins in the first round i i can even see them getting one win in the playoffs yeah i agree
0: i agree uh, Lamar Jackson is seems like he's he's
1: improving
0: he's getting better they're running the ball well they still feel to me like there may be a weapon or two away from really contending for a Super Bowl but they're well coached and you know John Harbaugh is going to get the most uh, out of his talent there so good things uh, any final uh, words I know we have to talk about the Dolphins how the Dolphins
1: uh, look you know the Dolphins had a bye it was uh
0: so they look pretty good. They yeah. just got more healthy.
1: Yeah, the, the Patriots going out and beating the Jets put us in solo first place in the AFC East, which That's has a been a while, deal. so that That's feels nice. And, and we've got the the Texans this week, and I think we're 13-point favorites, which yeah. is a lot for the NFL. Uh, so so is I'm, so I'm, there an opportunity I'm, there? I'm not betting that one. At, but I may bet the over on that one, but do not bet Miami at minus 13. That's too much for an NFL For team.
0: everybody watching, and they're not like – how are the, you know, different ways that you can, you know, bet legally on football sports? Like how does this, you got like FanDuel and, and, uh, DraftKings and all these different things. Like how does, how does it work? I, I don't really know how it works. How does it work? Do you know?
1: Well, it, it depends where you live. There's, there's, oh, there's different rules and regulations yeah. for every state. So okay. I would suggest you just look up what's legal and, and ethical in your specific state, but there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, There's a lot of different bookie apps, and you can select the sport and find prop bets and uh, parlays. I personally Mm -hmm. love teasers. Um, Teasers are kind of like parlays, but instead of the actual spread or the actual money line, say the money line was, or the spread was minus six for Miami, you do a teaser, and it gives you Miami at plus one. But the rule is you have to do a minimum of two different games, which... The payouts aren't as good as parlays, but I think it's a great way in the NFL because of how close and how competitive it is. Doing teasers, I think, is a great way to, to bet.
0: You know, some people, you know, and probably the way I was raised, have this negative connotation of betting. Oh, this is just dumb, you know. But betting um, versus, you know, just uh, you know, different gambling. You know, you just do the, the the slot machines. I mean, you really don't have any control over that. But when you're assessing You know, two teams playing each other. And if you really know the sports, I feel like it's kind of like poker, right? If you're playing poker and you know the rules and you know the odds, then you literally can put the odds in your favor. And it's just like with business, right? The decisions you make, you put the odds in your favor. And that's how business is. And life is a gamble. Like nothing is guaranteed. And so I feel like. Um, As soon as people understand that, and you'll see this with really successful people, that they are strategic. They might uh, do blackjack or craps. I actually really like craps because it's the one gambling uh, option out there where there's a lot of strategy to it. And if you put enough odds in your favor, you can come out ahead and win win with craps, with blackjack, with poker, and I feel like sports betting is the exact same thing. And it's business. It's like it's just like hedge funds that are betting on Elon Musk and Tesla, and you know, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong, but there are odds to
1: it. What what's your uh k- kind of overall thought process with that? I I agree with what you said right there. I you know, occasionally will sit down and play a slot if it's money that I'm I'm willing to lose to buy some time, but if I'm really going out there and trying to win, I'm I'm not sitting down and playing slots. I'm not playing blackjack. And personally, I'm not even playing craps. I'm sports betting because I am passionate about it. I enjoy it. I love it. Last night for the uh, the game in Mexico, awesome game. But I went and found six different prop bets and I hit five of them. I got George Kittle scoring a touchdown. I got Debo Samuel going over 11 Debo yards rushing. Good. I got this one was scary, but Jimmy Garoppolo throwing for less than 270 yards. And I got Colt McCoy throwing an interception. So, I mean, prop bets, if you know the players, yep. you know the games, you know the matchups, it's a, it's a great way to bet, and I do a lot of research on it. Dude, I think I don't think
0: anyone's going to want to play the 49ers come here in January. I mean, they can run the ball. They've got a tough defense. they got a tough, tough team. And I think deep down, John Lynch, you know, purposely – didn't get Jimmy G traded because he knew there was a real good chance they might need to come back to him. And it sounded like Trey Lance really was more of ownership's call versus the general manager, John Lynch. And then did he say something happened with John Lynch's contract?
1: Like after, you know, they decided they were going to go with Trey Lance? Yeah, I, I haven't done a, a ton of research on the Niners, but I 100% agree. I think it's a Five win team with Trey Lance at quarterback. I totally he's agree. a project, yeah. but he's not ready yet. No, I I've, I've been impressed with Jimmy G.
0: Okay, well, good times. That closes out our sports section. And Ian, guys, if you have uh, questions, comments, topics you'd like us to tackle, you know, type those uh, in the chat box. Uh, I think there's a super chat feature where you can donate some money to charity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, let's move on to our mindset section, and this one's going to be about work in america because i feel like more and more like hard work is not looked upon positively and it's always all about work smarter not harder and then i'll hear someone like gary vaynerchuk yeah perfect dude you work smarter i'm gonna work smarter and harder and i'm gonna kick your butt and so one of those guys is elon musk and there's a new article Uh, out about him and you've probably seen this a few spots but this is from cnn business it says twitter employees head for the exits after elon musk's extremely hardcore and it's like in all quotes extremely hardcore work ultimatum and here's what it says another employee exodus appears to be underway at twitter as many workers rejected elon musk's terms for staying with the company choosing instead to depart according to multiple current and former employees so basically uh, he's like guys our company is losing money our stock price and now it's private so it's not listed on the stock exchange anymore but our value is actually going down because we're not profitable we're, not, we're we haven't uh, innovated and done anything different it's been the same old same old Twitter for the last decade. And we're going to have to work hard. And if you go all in with this, you're going to win. And and Elon's the guy who does pass out stock options. So I guarantee you he's going to do that. So what he seems to be doing is I'm getting rid of all of the weak people who don't want to work hard, who aren't in for, in this for the long run. And But some people, are, some experts are saying, oh, wow, is Twitter even going to be in business? And he's getting rid of all the employees. No one's going to stay. So what are your thoughts about this? And is Elon Musk making the right call? And what about work in America? Like, I feel like there is a work ethic uh, shortage in America, and especially amongst our kids who are not being taught
1: what hard work means and what it does for you. Yeah, my initial thought on this is my generation of workforce has turned into a bunch of pansies. Like, that is pathetic. You're, you live in America with a previously public-traded company that's run by Elon Musk. Like, how hardcore can it get? There's laws, there's regulations about what he can require you to do. And if you do do a little bit more, there's laws and regulations about how much they have, or how they have to pay you. Like, if you have the opportunity to work for a company like Twitter and work under someone like Elon Musk, who cares if you have to work a little bit harder? Who cares if you have to actually... Heaven forbid, go into the office. Like, that's a, (laughs) that was one of the things, right? He's like, so, so before Elon
0: came on, Twitter was like, yeah, you guys can work remotely forever. And it was so funny. Like, in 2020, people were like, oh, remote works the best. And people are being so productive. And then we started to find out, like, a year, two years later, well, actually, some people were taking on extra jobs or actually, they weren't really working. They were, you know, doing all these other things and magically production started to go down. And all of these tech companies that went all in with remote work are now magically saying, actually, get your butt back into the office. So what's your thought like of remote work versus working in the office and the difference and the success that companies have with that?
1: You know, I've had to... Managing a, a handful of employees, I've had to learn and understand that people do work differently, right? There, there's different styles, not only different styles, but there's different roles. And there are certain roles where I think someone can work from home and function and do that well. But there's significantly more roles where, yeah, they can work from home, but they're going to perform significantly better in the office with the culture, with the environment, with the energy, and simply just pulling, pulling themselves from the distractions, Right, Leo. I cannot work at home. I, the way my mind works, if I'm working at home, I'm going to start working on a project while I'm yeah. on a phone call, and then I'm half-assing it. It's just not, it's not realistic. So I'm always a big fan of get in the office, build the energy, build the camaraderie, mm-hmm. build that culture. But you know, I, I think Elon's move here is he's trying to posture himself, which you're Elon Musk. You don't need to do that. Like Your, your presence is enough. Go in there and, and lead with love. Let him, let them know there's going to be changes. We're going to build this thing. We're going to do it the right way. I, I don't love how he came about this, but people need to just grow up. I think that's a good point though. If you're a leader
0: and if you're watching this or you know, you're watching the replay, you probably are, maybe you're a small business owner. Maybe you're, you know, getting involved in the business finance space with us here at Seven Figures Funding. But regardless of that, leadership is a two-pronged approach and it is different There was a lot of scare tactics and fear stuff, fear-based leadership, and there still isn't a lot of companies, I feel like, uh, 10, 15, especially 20 years ago. And you don't have to be that kind of a hard ass and treat people disrespectfully. You do need to be firm. You do need to be resolute about what matters and that we have non-negotiable values and principles that we're going to stick to. But you, there has to be some love. There has to be some benefit. Here's what's in it for you to become a team member and to go all in. And, and here's why it's going to be very satisfying and worthwhile. And here's how it's going to reward you financially. And, but then at the other you know, side of it, you've got to be expected. All the good things in life come from doing something hard. Once I was, I was talking to my kids, and, and I've got five kids, right? And I sat them down, and I asked each one of them, What's the hardest thing that you've had to do in your life? And Lucas is like, Dad, when I, I self-taught myself how to play the guitar, that was so hard. But what was he most proud of and what he's loved the most? That he can play all these different instruments now. He self-taught himself music. We put him in piano lessons, he hated it. And then he all of a sudden he learned how to play the guitar. And then all of a sudden he came back to the piano and then the electric guitar and he self-taught himself. My daughter, hers was dance, but she put in so much blood, sweat, and tears. And all these areas of life where we put forth the hardest effort was the hardest challenge. That's where success comes in. And that's ultimately what gives us value. And if you think you can go through life and not uh, and be satisfied and happy and feel like you achieved your potential without working hard, you're going to be sorely mistaken.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's it's interesting how frequently those experiences come back in your mind as you're doing hard things today, right? For An example, uh, I talk about football a lot, right? High school football, after all of our conditioning, after two-a-days, we had this tradition where we'd go out to the track, and it was called Brave Quarters. And essentially, week one of camp, you would sprint one-quarter mile. And that was every day after all of our training. Week two of camp, you'd do two-quarter miles. Week three, you did three. And week four, before our first game, you were doing 4 you would you would take a, a five minute break in between, yeah. but you were sprinting a quarter mile, trying to do it under seventy seconds every single time. And I can't tell you how many times, even That's in life today, care. it sounds silly. Like this one's kind of embarrassing to admit, but my son Jack last night he just would not go to bed, and oh, I'm yeah. sitting there like doing the rock, and it's like, oh man, he's close. He's starting. His eyes are starting to quiver, and you ever get that sho- the shoulders where it's like. I have to set this kid. Oh, down. it's cramping up, right? It, it could be something yeah. like this silly oh, yeah. little thing. And I think back to twelve years ago. You know what? I I was dead. I was beat, and I did that brave quarter. I finished that brave quarter. I can power through this. And that those are one of the hardest, like, physical things I've ever done. And it doing hard things teaches you how to get through trials during different aspects of life. So I think it's very important we do always continue to push ourselves and go through challenges. No question.
0: No question about it. All right. Our next two topics, uh, which one do you like uh, better here? We could talk about uh, Sam Bakeman-Fried, the FTX uh, CEO, seems to be being uh, treated with kid gloves. Or we could talk about leadership by Bob Iger returns to Disney. Which one do you like best? Let's talk about Bob. Let's do. Let's jump to Sam. Let's jump to Bob Iger. Yeah, Sam uh, basically making bad decisions with FTX. May go unpunished. Who knows what happens there? He's pretty connected up in that world. But for the last, uh, you know, it's been about two years, Disney stock has dipped, I think, over 50%. And so they had some initial success. And uh, Bob Iger led Disney through all these crazy times. He took over. The previous CEO was Michael Eisner. And, and Michael was kind of this hardcore dude that was tough to work with. And, and one of the big things that he failed at was building a relationship with Steve Jobs. But guess who did? Bob Iger. He built this relationship back and forth with Steve Jobs and, and ultimately ends up buying Pixar. It's a win for Steve Jobs. But Pixar, since Disney, you know, connected there, has won big times. You know, Toy Story, uh, little, uh, not little bit, uh, Finding Nemo, just amazing stories. So Bob Iger, he also bought, um, brought George Lucas and Star Wars in, and then Marvel, dude, how big was that Marvel thing? John, you've seen uh, Avengers and. Uh, Captain America and all these different uh, amazing movies like those have made billions and billions of dollars. All of that was Bob Iger's doing, and the employees there loved him. But apparently, over the past a uh, couple years, Bob Chapek is uh, the CEO who took over after Bob uh, Iger um, stepped down as a CEO, and things have not gone nearly as well. Disney stocks down big time. Employees have not responded well. And he seems like he goes from you know extreme to extreme. Uh, in one instance, he's uh, you know politically involved, clear over here, maybe on the left side, and then all of a sudden he jumps jumps back and forth. Like he just doesn't know who he stands for. Um, and Disney has struggled. And so, what what are your thoughts on this? And what is it? What
1: makes a great leader? Yeah, I, w- I wonder how much of that stock decline was during the the COVID days and months and even years, people were stuck at home. And so the Netflix and the Disney and the Hulus were just totally overinflated. They, they weren't realistic no numbers. They were just fake because people were forced to be home. And, and so they were watching these. And now, obviously, as we get back into the workforce, they start to decline. So I don't know the financials of Disney and how much like Disney Plus has to do with their their bottom line that, revenue. That's and been big. But.
0: That's been big. In 2020, you're right. Uh, Disney Plus was killing it, getting all these subscriptions. And then they took a lot of that, invested it. And then those subscriptions started pulling back in 2021 and 2022. It, it, you're exactly right, because people get back to real life, and they're not all sitting at home watching TV. So. You know
1: what else happened, though? COVID babies. Yeah, Give it about three years as these babies start understanding movies and TV. Disney Plus will be right back. It's true. In fact, uh, I think 2021 was the first year in
0: a long time that the U.S. actually had a boost in having babies. And for everybody watching, you may not know this, but right now in the United States, there's always been this worry, oh, we're, the planet's overpopulated. Well, guess where it's not overpopulated? In the United States, we're not overpopulated. Mm-hmm. And now we're to a point now where we're actually going to see our population decrease over the next 50 to 100 years because we aren't having enough babies to actually replace and maintain our population which means all y'all who are getting older all the younger people are not going to be able to pay your social security because there's not enough of them so we actually need to be having more babies elon musk talks about this That's why i think he has like nine or ten uh kids and so props to everybody out there actually having kids. We need you to have kids in the U.S. or our country is going to lose strength. And guess, you know where they're, they're getting their asses kicked with this? is China. So China is our number one competitor against the U.S. And unbelievably, China's population is set to go from like 1.4 billion down to under a billion in the next 50 years because they just can't change their mentality of not having babies they had that one child policy for a long time and now they finally last year did away with that but it's too late like the habits and the psychology like the chinese people like oh my word it's so expensive to have a baby which it is uh but they are not having kids and you know who is India and India's economy is poised to really do well because they have they are now surpassing this year they will surpass China as the most populated country in the world so I'm not sure how I just uh, went down this rabbit hole of population and having babies but COVID babies oh there it is COVID babies so you're (laughs) right you're right that's going to pay dividends down the road
1: for Disney Plus and one of our favorite places Disney World uh, as well. I guess to answer the question, sorry, I, I took, the, took us on that weird path there. No, but, no I think that was good. But Bob Iger and his leadership, uh, interesting fact, I don't know if you knew this or did the research on this beforehand, because that this one kind of intrigued me. Yeah. Um, Bob Iger's father, World War II vet, that also yes. had bipolar, oh, bipolar is. disorder. And I personally like researching a lot of very successful business owners, successful individuals just in general. One of the main things that I see is that they understand people, and they understand how to work with, communicate with, and have a relationship with all sorts of different types of people. And for Bob Iger, um, through my childhood, I I have a father who had um, an accident, a brain injury, and I had to learn how to adapt and work with him and multiply that by 100 is probably what bob Iger went through as a child so i think that's one of the main things that you you read about him he's so good at relationships Mm. and you look at his resume of different people he's worked with such a wide 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 variety of different human beings but he knows how to read and understand and work with people
0: he absolutely does. And some of the unique things, uh, he has this great book that came out. My wife's like, you've got to you know, listen to this book. So I grabbed it on Audible and listened to it. And one of the stories in it, he started out with uh, ABC Sports, the Wild World of Sports there for a while. And they had this big event and it was just absolutely terrible, did not go well. And so management's looking for someone to blame. And so they go around and everybody's just, oh, no, it wasn't my fault. It's someone else's fault. And the only guy that steps up and is accountable is Bob Iger. Steps up, you know what, I think we could have done this better. I think I could have and I should have done this better. Here's what we're going to do next time to make the event more successful. And guess what the leader's that we're managing, Bob. We really respect that. That resonates with us. Thank you, finally, somebody for being accountable. And so Bob steps up and he's accountable. And Bob is this guy who, you know, builds relationships with everybody, with a Steve Jobs, with someone who's, you know, a $15 an hour employee worker at Disney World. And one of the things that really struck me was a few years ago, do you remember this story? There was a, a young, uh, maybe three or four year old that was literally eaten by a an alligator at Disney World, and Bob Iger is clear over in I want to say Shanghai, and he's opening up a new Disney park in Shanghai, and he has to get on the phone and talk to the parents of this child, and he does, and he's he's literally sobbing there because he's got kids, and and just uh, talking about all the things that they're going to do to. To, to try and help this family and how sorry they are and, and so forth. And then he goes out and he gives a great speech, opens that park. And so that's just a guy with incredible leadership ability, a lot of empathy and accountability, the perfect mixture, I think, of, of what we're talking about. And maybe kind of the other side that Elon Musk maybe needs to work on. And, I mean, who's who are we to question Elon Musk? But I do remember, remember this story where he had this uh, – it's funny. Um, he had this personal assistant who'd been with him a decade, and for out of the blue, he's like, "I'm just gonna, you know, see if I actually need a personal assistant for the next, uh, you know, month." So take some time off, and he ends up like letting this personal assistant go after all a decade of work, and uh, that was that was kind of uh, kind of crazy. So he's a little harsh in that regard. Maybe needs to be a little bit more empathetic, but at the same time, most of our population needs a whole lot more accountability.
1: Absolutely. Can you imagine telling a World War II vet with bipolar that it's not my fault? <laughs> right? That's no. probably not going to go over well. Not going to go well at all. Awesome, awesome leader, though. Absolutely. All right, well, it's time for our family
0: section here. Stressed-out Americans plan to buy fewer Christmas gifts, donate less to charity. This is another Wall Street Journal story. It says households, retailers, and charities nationwide are filling the pinch of inflation. They are bracing for a humbug holiday season. U.S. consumers and businesses have trimmed spending plans for gifts, charitable contributions, et cetera. Uh, in this story, it talks about families who are basically, you know, they might have spent $1,000 per kid on Christmas last year. Now they're literally like, uh, you know, wrapping up old toys because there's just no money. Um what's what's going on and and what are solutions here for some of these uh, families or anybody out there who's trying to you know have a great Christmas
1: Just get creative you know i there was a I think back on my childhood there was a, a year year and a half two year span where my parents had just gotten divorced and so it was my single mother with me and my two sisters now fortunately my I do have some grandparents that have some money I'm sure they help my mom out with The Christmas gifts themselves but there was not a lot of activities that year as far as like going out to shows and going out to concerts and doing the typical Christmas things we were used to but there was a lot more of at home arts and crafts reading books as a family watching Christmas movies and it's one of my like like some of my most special Christmas memories ever tie back to the years where my family was struggling the most because we actually got away from all the gifts and all the hoopla that Christmas has become, and we focused on each other, and we focused on what we believed from a religious standpoint as a family. And you'll find that if you can focus back on what it's actually about, you're going to have a more meaningful, more special Christmas. And there's way to, ways to do that without money.
0: That's, that's beautiful. And that's what the Christmas spirit is all about, right? Spending time with family. When I think back to Christmases with my family, I'm the oldest of nine kids. Grew up in Beaver, a small town in southern Utah, three thousand people. I do not think that much about the gifts received, but I do think about you know some long games of, of a Monopoly that were just so much fun, or some games of Uno. Or thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take thirty seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your debt worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.